I'm Brett Chang. And I am Jay Rosenthal, and this is your Peak Daily for Tuesday, December 19th, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance, and tech all in less than seven minutes. So, Jay, as Tim Horton celebrates its 60th anniversary, the company is bringing back retro donuts that were served at the coffee chain's first location in Hamilton, Ontario. A recent poll hinted that blueberry fritters, chocolate eclairs, and cinnamon twists are all being considered for a comeback. And if those names don't mean anything to you, well, you can ask your parents, which unfortunately I remember them. And so that's the age that I'm getting up to. <laughs> now, the famous Dutchie, a square shaped pastry decorated with raisin, is slotted for a return with chefs working around the clock to make sure that taste lives up to the memory. Do you have any favorite donuts past or present, Jay? Well, you know, I'm from New England, so Dunkin' Donuts is my go-to donut place. I like Tim Horton's donuts better. I can say that because most of the people that listen to this are Canadian. If this podcast was in the States or Massachusetts, I would be strung up for that. But I do like donuts. I'm not going to lie. I like donuts. I don't know the Dutchie, but it sounds like something I would like. The Dutchie and the Honey Crueler were always very similar to me, but I think they're different, but they look similar to me. I don't think I like the Dutchie. The Dutchie was too exotic for me. My favorite donut, past and present, is Vanilla Dip. But when I was growing up, it was called like the Hawaiian or the Polynesian. It had some other name, which they should bring back. I don't know if that's like in- culturally insensitive or anything, but they should bring it back if they're, if they're bringing back old things. You know what strikes me? We often lead off the show with something about Tim Hortons. Like it happens uh, yeah. maybe once a well, month. It's a cultural touchstone. I buy into that. It's also the only place open near the rink at 7 a.m. on a Sunday morning. Just by frame of reference, that is how Canadian I have become. You're like enacting a commercial right now, Jay. Like Like all the parents pile into one car to go get coffee. Brett, aside from the role Tim Hortons plays in our Canadian lives, what do we have for Peak Bells today? For our first story, it's a bad time to be a cargo ship. For our second story, Zoom gets booted from the NASDAQ. And for our third story, is the office holiday party going extinct? For our first story in recent days, the Red Sea has become like the mall during the holidays, a place better kept at a safe distance. Brett, what's going on in the Red Sea? So British oil and gas giant BP has paused all of its shipments through the Red Sea as Yemen's Houthi rebels continue to attack cargo ships. The move comes after five of the six world's largest shipping companies have stopped sailing in the Red Sea altogether. Now to catch you up, the Houthis are an Iranian-backed rebel group who control northern Yemen. They began attacking all Israeli or Israel-bound cargo ships passing through the Red Sea in support of Hamas. However, attacks are now being directed at seemingly any cargo ship in the area. The rebels confirmed two new attacks yesterday, striking a Norwegian-owned ship and a Panamanian ship. And it matters because the attacks could disrupt as much as 10 to 15% of global trade by cutting off access to the Suez Canal. Ships carrying goods like grain and oil between Europe and Asia will be forced to take longer routes, which will cause supply chain delays and even higher prices. One analyst told Global these detours will add at least a week of sailing time for ships. In response, European natural gas prices have already surged by as much as 13%. Now to zoom out. Zroop. There's now limited access to two vital global trade arteries. Fewer ships are also sailing through the Panama Canal, which ferries about 5% of global trade, as the region's worst drought in over 70 years has left the canal too dry to handle the usual number of ships. Next, the U.S. is reportedly considering a direct strike against the Houthis in response to their attacks, but there are fears this could inflame high tensions with Iran. For our second story, like each and every one of us who got used to working in our pajamas, Zoom has had a rude post-COVID awakening. How has the return to office hurt the conferencing app, Jay? Well, Zoom has been dropped from the NASDAQ after failing to meet the Technology Focus Index listing criteria. As the return to office mandates an increased competition quell the company's growth prospects, this all according to Bloomberg. 
Shares of the video conferencing platform, which rallied almost 400% in 2020, have underperformed compared to the rest of the market in 2023, rising only 5.7%. And it matters because inclusion in the NASDAQ really helps a company's investment prospects. And as Zoom tries to claw its way out of its current rut, getting booted from the world's biggest tech index could make the climb back to its past performance even tougher. Zoom's troubles speak to a trend of pandemic-era successes like Peloton and DocuSign that struggled to maintain growth as people headed back into the world. Now here's what's next. Secondary products like Zoom's messaging platform and phone service for businesses will become all the more critical to ensuring the company's future success. For our third and final story today, forget champagne fountains or a private DJ set from David Guetta, your office holiday party this year is more likely to be not so boozy potluck, a pickleball match, or some virtual trivia. Driving the news, corporate party planners have noticed a shift this year in holiday parties. Out are the bashes filled where the entire office and their significant others rage into the night, and in are quieter events with only team members featuring group activities like guac making. <laughs> Guac making. One company that switched gears is Vancouver's Hootsuite, which traded late night offsite keggers for late afternoon in office gatherings that cater to workers who need to get home after five o'clock. It's happening because COVID completely changed the way offices function, and that included holiday parties. After being forcibly paused early on in the pandemic, holiday parties have not returned to their old ways or have stayed entirely online. Other factors include? Well, other factors include hybrid homebodies. The widespread introduction of hybrid and remote work has made employees less willing to spend a whole night away from their homes. Budgets. In a year filled with layoffs and budget cuts, companies want to save money and save face by skipping out on lavish parties in favor of low-key shindigs. And changing opinions on alcohol. More workers, especially younger ones, dabble in sobriety and aren't interested in getting plastered, especially around their bosses. And it matters because, silly as they seem, festive gatherings matter for morale. A recent academic study on work holiday parties, that's real, we promise, found that they are important annual events that are more or less eagerly anticipated by employees. Now, the keys to a successful FET per this paper, a rousing speech and a mix of alcoholic and non-alcoholic drinks. Surprise, surprise. This is great research. I'm going to dive right into it because I, I would love to see where they actual serve it. Well, yeah, we'll have to get planning for what well, we missed it this year. But next year's peak daily holiday party. <laughs> Can't wait. Peak Pals, thanks for making us the most listened to business news podcast in Canada. If you got a second, why not follow this podcast on your app of choice and leave us a review. And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. Have a great day, Peak Pals, and we will see you at the office party tonight. <laughs>